hearts. And God, I ask now that as you did with the fish and the bread, as Jesus did with the loaves and the fish, that you would take the preparation of this word today, this sermon, and that you would multiply it uh, and that you would feed your people with it. And that, that, Father, you would be glorified most of all in that we, your people, and your people all around the world that are listening uh, to this sermon, that will listen to this sermon, that we will all be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to turn with me once again to the 18th chapter of the book of Acts. And looking at verse 12 and following, when Gallio was preconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked, wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names and your own law, look to it yourselves, for I do not want to be a judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. I want to preach today from the subject, Blessings Beyond Stressing. Blessings Beyond stressing. In today's text, we find Paul in the city of Corinth preparing to carry out his ministry. He's on his second missionary journey. Corinth was a major city in Greece. It was bordered by two harbors, one lying on the west coast and the other on the the east. All traffic north and south passed directly through the city of Corinth, which was named the Eye of Greece. As such, Corinth was a city of vast wealth. It was a city like New York City or San Francisco or Chicago or Detroit. Corinth was an international city inhabited by a multiplicity of people groups. There were Greeks there. There were Romans there. There were Jews and other people's groups, people groups in Corinth who transacted business by day and hit the clubs by night. Corinth, history tells us, as well as the Bible, Corinth was a pleasure-mad city. Corinth was all about the pleasure. It had a reputation of being a pleasure-mad city. If you wanted pleasure, Corinth was the place to be. Corinth was wallowing in exploits of sexual pleasures and drunkenness and robbery. Towering some 1,500 feet above Corinth was the temple of Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of love. Every evening, every evening, the temple prostitutes, there were 1,000 of them on the roll, temple prostitutes came down to the city to ply their trade in Corinth at night. It was into this spiritually depraved, socially degenerate, and sadly decadent setting 
that Paul came to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Imagine that. Paul came to preach the, the, the word of God, to preach hope and to preach life, the life-giving word of God to these, to these people living in the midst of all of this degeneration, all of this decadence, all of this wickedness, sin, and evil. Paul is on his second missionary journey preparing to preach in this kind of environment. Talking about a stressful situation, this brother is in it. Talk about a stressful lifestyle. Paul is living it. And it had not just begun for him. Look at his ministry track record. When I looked at this track record and reflecting on it, even driving to church this morning, I realized that this man lived in the midst of stress all around him. The, the most stressful thing that, that some people uh, in ministry look to uh, experience or even want to experience is having run out of, of, of sugar or, or cream for their coffee in the morning as they sit in their easy chair and read the paper or watch the news. But Paul had real stress. I was just thinking about this, Pastor Harris, Pastor Stevens, uh, uh, if, 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 if seminary classrooms, uh, if seminary professors uh, did like Jesus did for Paul and told Paul that you will suffer much for me, I wonder how many people would say suffer, but suffering in ministry wasn't really what I had in, in mind. I wasn't really thinking about this stressful thing. I, I think I can find something else to do that has a lot less stress associated with it. When you look at this man's background, his, 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 his ministry track record, his life had been threatened in Damascus and Jerusalem. There were people who had threatened them and people who all out wanted to kill him and let him know. He had been persecuted and run out of Antioch of Pisidia. He had faced possible stoning in Iconium. And as we've gone through these series of sermons over the past couple of months, you've heard about these instances that Paul faced. He had been stoned and left for dead in Lystra. What a tremendous story when the people uh, turned on him and stoned him and drug him outside the city and left him to die. He had been opposed and made the center of controversy by troublemakers inside of the church. Y'all remember the Judaizers. He had been beaten with rods and imprisoned in Philippi. He had been thrown out of Philippi. His life had been threatened in Thessalonica. He had been forced out of Berea. He had been mocked in Athens. Now here he is in Corinth after all he has been through, setting up to do ministry in the most wicked, evil, sin-sick city in Greece. So how did Paul make it? How did he overcome the stresses and the strains of life? Well, I'm glad you asked because the text reveals four avenues of Paul's blessings beyond stressing. Just four. 
first, the first blessing beyond stressing came through the companionship of friends. That's how God helped Paul deal with the stress in his life. He brought some good friends into his life. Look at verses 2 and 3 of the text. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. Look at that, if you will. Look at how God used a messed up situation in Rome to get two dedicated friends over to Corinth so that they can help Paul deal with stress. Isn't it amazing how God would work things out? Claudius expelled them from the city, but it was all a part of God's plan to get these two faithful people down to Paul so that they could help him deal with all the stuff that he had to go through. And so he came to them. And so because he was of the same trade, Paul came to them because he was of the same trade. Obviously, they hit it off. I mean, they were all tent makers. He was of the same trade. He stayed with them and worked for by occupation, they were tent makers. Isn't that amazing? Now, would you look at that? The first thing God does to bless Paul beyond stress is to give him the companionship of good friends to work alongside him and encourage him in the faith. Isn't that amazing? Just some good people to work with him and to help him, to work alongside him and to encourage him. I just told Pastor Harris this morning after the prayer, I said, thank you so much for praying for me. Your prayer was so encouraging. God will give you people, good friends, that will help you get beyond the stress in your life. Not that stress is not there. God knows it's there, but God gives you good friends to help you get beyond stress. God knew Paul needed someone to help him alone. You see, Timothy and Silas had been left behind in Macedonia. So when Paul got to Corinth, he was there virtually without human assistance and human help, people that he didn't know. And so God knew with Paul and With Silas and Timothy being in Macedonia, God knew that Paul needed someone else to help him shoulder the load he was called to carry. Paul found that desperately needed companionship in Aquila and his wife Priscilla. This couple, watch this now, they're talking about alleviating stress. This couple opened their home up to Paul. Opened their home to, to Paul who had who was a who was a stranger in Corinth and then they became business partners with him in the tent making business and then we know from the biblical text that later this very dedicated couple these friends of Paul traveled to Ephesus with him and listen to this they even risked their lives to help Don't you know that there is no secret 
to what God can do, what he's done for others, he can sure enough do for you. Don't you know that when you and I are going through, no matter what it is, it can be sickness, it can be professional challenges, uh, no matter what it is, don't you know when you and I are going through, when our backs are up against the wall, when the chips are down, when discouragement, despondency, doubt, disillusionment, and even depression is on the hunt trying to halt us, God can and does send help through the companionship of wholesome friends. Friends that serve to bless beyond our stress. So here's here's, here's a reality. If you and I are doing anything worthwhile for God, if we are striving to live holy, if we're not going along just to get along, if we are attempting with all of our God-given ability to shun evil, push back the darkness, and lift up the name of Jesus, stress will come. Stress will come. Pressures will mount. Tensions will will build. That is, when we are living for God, when we are striving to do the right thing, stress will come. But in the midst of it all, God will have some good folk, some good people standing by. Don't you remember when Elijah was stressed out in the Old Testament after that great victory on Mount Carmel and Jezebel, wicked Jezebel, sent word to Elijah that I am going to kill you? Elijah ran for his life, didn't he? Roger Elijah ran for his life, and then when he had a time, chance to conversate with God, this is what he said, a part of his complaint. God, I have done this for you. I have done that for you. I have stood up for you. I have preached your word. I have lived holy, and now they're trying to kill me. And not only that, God, I want you to know, oh, omniscient one, oh, all-knowing one, I need to remind you that I am the only one left. To which God responded, no, 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 no. I have 700 prophets in the city who have not bowed the knee to Baal. In other words, Elijah, don't you give up. You have some companions. They'll help you. They'll help you. God will have some good people standing by in your corner, supporting your cause, encouraging your heart, speaking up on your behalf, listening to you, talking with you, and praying your strength in the Lord. Can I get a witness? So when you're going through, God will see to it. When you are stressing God will see to it that he comforts you through companions who love you, stand for you, stand up for you, will be with you all the way 
companions who will pray for you, who will call you, who will text you, who will encourage you to put one foot in front of the other in spite of what you're going through. It could be health. It could be family. It could be job-related. Whatever it is, somebody God has to encourage you, good companions, to help reduce your stress. Have you been there? Have you gone to your office all stressed out and a companion just walks up to you and gives you a word? Don't miss it. That is God. For the second blessing beyond stressing, verses, look at verses 5 through 8. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him, meeting those unbelieving, hard-hearted, obstinate Jews, when they opposed him and blasphemed, that means turned their back, rejected Jesus Christ, he shook his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. He departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justus, one who worshiped God, whose house was, get this, next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians herein believed and were baptized. The second blessing beyond stressing came in the form of new converts, that is, new believers, that is, new Christians, that is, people because of Paul's preaching came to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. In verse 6, Paul had been faithfully preaching Jesus in the synagogue when he was opposed. And the name of Jesus was denounced and rejected. As a result of his temple lease being terminated, a Gentile living next door to the synagogue invited Paul to preach at his house. Paul moved the church, y'all get this. Paul moved the church next door and began to tell the people about how Jesus hung on that cross, how he suffered and bled and died to save them from their sins, and how he rose victoriously from the grave. And Paul began to tell them right next door to the synagogue where he had been kicked out of, he began to preach and tell them that it is by grace through faith in Jesus that will make you right with God. And he brought them into the family of God through Christ and Jesus gave them eternal life. Verse 8 declares watch this, that Crispus the ruler of the synagogue and his household and men of the Corinthians heard the word, got saved and were baptized. Those astonishing conversions from darkness to the marvelous light must have sent shockwaves throughout the Jewish community as they witnessed the power of God to change lives. Here was Crispus, a Jew, a ruler of the synagogue. He heard the word of God. He got saved, and it sent shockwaves through the community. 
kind of like when somebody in our community gets saved and everybody knows how they used to be. Well, she used to be like this, or he used to be like that, and she used to go this place and that place. But through the power of God, now her life is changed. It's in shockwave. In fact, that's the conversation around the breakfast table, around the dinner table. People are talking about, can you really believe, is it real or is it Memorex? That's fake, y'all. If they witness the power of the gospel to change lives, people were amazed. Now, watch this. The stress Paul felt from having the truth of God's word rejected in the synagogue by unbelieving Jews and then having himself ejected from the temple property must have greatly been affected by the good news of folk being saved. Don't y'all know one of the greatest things that gets pastors up on their toes and gets preachers and missionaries and church leaders excited is when somebody gives their life to Jesus Christ. It's as though all of the stress of ministry, all of the stress associated with ministry goes away because one soul has been saved and we realize that it's worth it all. But watch this. When the crowd next door to the synagogue, when Christmas in his household next door knew that Christmas was saved and that men of the Gentiles were saved, right next door to the synagogue, Many people believe in Jesus right next door to the synagogue, came to faith in Jesus, trusted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior right next door to the synagogue. When Paul found that out, his stress level had to go down. Here's a truism. Stress builds in our lives when we feel like our efforts are in vain. Like we're spinning our wheels, like we're in a slump, stagnant, in a stalemate, stress builds. Sometimes parents feel like we are just not getting through to our children. Stress builds. I've helped them with their homework. We've shown them how to do it. We've told them how important it is to pay attention in class and not text and not talk. But it doesn't seem like it's getting through. Sometimes a wife can feel like she's just not getting through to her husband or a husband feels like he's just not getting through to his wife. Sometimes we feel like the people on the job, at the plant, in the office, at school, just don't get it. And because of that, stress builds. But then God, like he did for Paul through those salvation, through those converts, God sends a breakthrough. The child comes home with an A. The husband begins to show love, buy some flowers, and even picks up his socks. The wife speaks in a kinder, gentler tone. The supervisor increases your pay, and not only that, decreases your workload and even gives you a promotion. Life is better. 
And you get blessed beyond stress when God and when we know God and when we witness God working all things together for good to those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. And the list goes on and on. The third blessing beyond stressing is found in verses 9 through 11. The text reads, now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by vision. Do not be afraid, but speak. And do not keep silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. The third blessing beyond stressing, for Paul came through the fellowship of God. You see, when Paul saw that vision, when Paul saw that vision, any apprehension, any worry, any dread, any anxiety, any lingering of stress had to subside, had to settle, had to collapse. It had to go because of the following truths. Truth one. God promised to be with Paul. I mean, God's presence will will reduce stress when you know that God has promised to be with you. Stress can't help but go down. God said to Paul, through his presence, Paul, I got you. Paul, Paul, I got you. You see, you see, The good news is the same promise God made to Paul in the vision God has made to us through his word. Now, that ought to start relieving some folks' stress right there. Yeah, the same promise God made to Paul in a vision he gave to us in his word. He promised us his presence. Matthew 28 and 20, Jesus promised, surely I'm with you. Watch this. Always, even to the end of the world. The presence of Christ in our lives, the reality of that presence, no matter where we are, what we're up against, reduces stress. So in essence, God says to every born-again believer in Jesus Christ, You share my word. You live your life for me. You stand up for me. I got you. You stand for truth. I got you. Do the right thing. I've got you. Truth too. God promised Paul that no one attacking him in Corinth would be able to hurt him. Now, that's a stress loose, isn't it? I mean, his stress had no choice but to go down when the Lord told him in the vision, Paul, even though they attack you, they will not be able to do you no harm. Isaiah the prophet said these words of God, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That's the the intent of this text, the statement for, for Paul. You see, that statement had to be a stress reducer for Paul. Up to this point, he had been attacked. He had been stoned. He had been run out of town. But God said, not in Corinth. 
Paul was free, as the airlines used to say, you, you know, when things got to going smooth, when you're on a plane and there's turbulence, the seatbelt light comes on. Not the seatbelt. Yeah, the seatbelt, the, 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 the belt comes on. The belt light comes Fasten your safety belt. That light comes on. And they say, be seated. But then when you hit that smooth, when that plane levels out, right, and it starts to smooth out, the light goes off and the pilot says, you are now free. Help me somebody to move around the camp. That's what God said to Paul, y'all. You are now free, Paul. To move around the cabin and do what you do because your attackers won't be able to harm you. You see, you see, Paul was free to move around and carry out his charge without fear of retribution or looking over his shoulder. See, when you got to look over your shoulder, it is stressful in there. But when you know that you no longer have to look over your shoulder, that stress goes away and you do what you do because you know that everything is going to be all right. You see, Paul could be at peace while he worked. This peace reminds me of the peace King David had concerning God's deliverance of him from the hand of his enemies. David wrote of God's deliverance in Psalm 23 and 5, you... Prepare, you know the text, a table before me in the presence of my enemy. Now, if you got any shout in you at all, if you got any Holy Ghost in you at all, if you got any excitement in you at all, right here ought to bring it out. Where God says, you prepare, David says of God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with all. David says, my cup runs over. What are you saying, David? David is saying that my blessings are running over, pressed down, shaken, and running over. David declared that God blessed him real good while his enemies watched, and there wasn't a thing they could do about it. That's what Paul said. That's what God told Paul. He said, Paul, do what you do. They'll be watching, but they can't hurt you. Do what you do. They'll be upset with you, but they can't bother you. The truth of the text is, do what you do, Christian. Go to your job and do what you do. God said, your attackers won't be able to harm you. David declared that God blessed him real good while his enemies watched, and there wasn't a thing they could do about it. Truth three, God promised Paul that he had many people in the city. Meaning God had people stationed in Corinth who would love, encourage, and support Paul. Here's where the rubber meets the road. One of the schemes, the strategies, and stressors of our enemy, the devil, is that he tries to make the followers of Jesus Christ feel isolated. Like we are all alone and like no one understands us. And worst of all, and worse than that, no one really cares. Yet the truth is found in the text. God made it plain to Paul, and he makes it plain for us. The reality, y'all, is that we are not alone. 
and that wherever we go, God has people in place to provide for us, to protect us, and to promote us as we lift up the name of Jesus. We are never alone. Can I testify to this truth just for a minute? Every place I've been, God has had his people there. As a young chaplain boarding the flight from Miami to Japan with my young family, going to a country that I'd never been to before, when I got there, I discovered that God's people were there in Japan. Serving in Japan and serving in Germany, I found God's people were there. In Saudi Arabia and Korea, God's people were there. Serving as a prison chaplain behind metal gates, steel doors, steel bars, and barbed wire fences, I found that God's people were there. Upon arriving at Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church almost two decades ago, I found God's people here in place willing to do what God says to do. Can I tell you something? Wherever God sends you, his people will be there. They will be there. Don't you be discouraged. They will be there. They will be in the office. They will be on the grounds. They will be in the plants. They will be there because God willed it to be so. So be encouraged because wherever you are, be it at the church, at the office, in the classroom, in your neighborhood, or the mission field, thousands of miles away from your native homeland, wherever you are, God's people will be there. The fourth and final blessing today beyond stressing is found in the frustration of Paul's enemies. One of the ways that God oftentimes reduces the stress of his children is through frustrating their enemies. Have you watched that thing happen? It's an amazing thing to watch how God frustrates your enemies. He has so many ways. You know, and sometimes we get to getting real holy about it. And like, <laughs> you know, I remember this story. Of this man that was sitting, you know, he was sitting there at a truck stop on the counter. At the counter, he was had his sandwich, his drink, and his uh, sweet potato pie. And, and three bikers came in. And one biker walked up to the man and picked the man's sandwich up and took a big bite out of it and then smashed it back down on the plate. The other biker... Walked up to the man and took his drink and turned it up and drank it all down and then slapped the bottle back down on the table. The third biker went up to the man, took his hat off, smashed the man's hat down in the potato pie, put the man's hat back on his head. At that, the man got up, calmed it from the counter, walked over and paid the manager for his meal and walked on out the door. A few minutes later, the bikers walked up to the manager and said, 
that guy wasn't much of a man, was he? He said, obviously, he wasn't that much of a driver either. He's just run his 18-wheel over three bikes. <laughs> Tell the truth, y'all. It feels good sometimes, doesn't it? God has a way of reducing our stress through the frustration of enemies. Look at, look at verses 12 and 13 for, for the truth of the text. When Gallio was proconsul, that means governor of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to judgment, saying, this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. Here Paul's enemies hoped for a favorable verdict from Gallio. He was a new governor, and he had a reputation for being very nice, and, and some even said he was easygoing. So these um, despondent Jews felt like they could, you know, manipulate him and use him and, and get a favor verdict. A favorable verdict from Gallio uh, would have uh, meant that the outlaw of Christianity and the church for that matter. Such a law could be then cited as a precedent in other places where the gospel was preached. Yet, instead of receiving a favor, they were frustrated with the verdict. In other words, instead of them getting favor from the verdict, the verdict frustrated them. Notice verses 14 through 16. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, that is, Paul was about to speak up for himself, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or a wicked crime, O Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names and your own law, look to it yourself, for I do not want to be a judge of such matters. And get this, y'all. Here's the, the frustration at its finest. And then he drove them from the judgment seat. That means that he dispatched those who would have been bailiffs to forcibly put them out. Do you see what just happened? The proconsul, the governor, kicked them out of his courtroom and dismissed the case as nonsense. Not only that, verse 17 tells us, then all the Greeks took Sophonies. Sophonies was the ruler of the, of the, of the synagogue, uh, and, and then they beat him before the, the judgment seat. But Gallio took no notice of these things. Now, as I close, let me explain something to you. Sophonies was the chief ruler of the synagogue. He would have been the Jewish persecuting attorney responsible for getting this group together in order to bring Paul before the proconsul, the governor. When the thing went south, when, when the plan backfired, when Paul's enemies lost the case, an angry mob grabbed Sophonies, hauled him back into the judgment seat in the presence of the governor, then they beat him. Some Bible scholars believe that the governor allowed the mob 
to beat Sothenes, to discourage him for, from ever bringing or harassing Paul and the church again. But in any event, Paul experienced a blessing beyond stressing, and the church moved on because of the frustration of Paul's enemy. 